Fantasy Intervention, guys, is blowing up right now. We've got a great team of guys over there at Join Our Circle underscore, or Fantasy Intervention, and we are blowing up. So, I'm going to try out this new intro. Let me know. Let me get some feedback. Let me know if you guys like it, don't like it. we got a sound guy over there with John crushing the sound. Big shout out to John. Make sure you guys check this out and give us some feedback on this new intro. Let us know what you guys think. Oh, and make sure you guys stay tuned to the end of this episode. The whole point of this episode actually gets driven at the end. So, yeah, make sure you guys stay tuned to the end. This is Fantasy Intervention. Fantasy Life, Chase Vernon. What do you guys think? We got a new intro. Got a new intro. What do you guys think? Let us hear some feedback from you guys. Let me know what you guys think. But yeah, guess what? We are not live right now. We are not live. Oh my God. This has to be the first time I haven't been live in months. I haven't been live. But I'm moving stuff around my house right now. It's an absolute wreck. I don't even have a place to do my podcast yet. So guess what? Guess what? I'm coming to you not live from Fantasy Intervention. Oh yeah, but we do have. We do have another DFS episode that we have to go over today. Right? We got to talk about this. Because it's a very, very interesting matchup. We've got week seven. Thursday night DFS, baby. Ooh. Yes, and we have the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. God, I love this one. I absolutely love this one. Now, we've had a lot of high-scoring matchups so far, you know, on the year when it comes to Thursday nights. This one right here could actually be another one of those. Now, I know. I get it, guys. I get it. You know, they only had 39 points in their last matchup. But still, like, oh, God, it's just oozing with potential, especially with Razul Douglas being out. I mean, that just adds fuel to the fire. I love it. Now, with that being said, with that being said, it's a little bit of a tougher matchup. It is a little bit tougher because you have to try and find your value. I mean, there's like seven guys, I believe, that are actually above that 8K threshold. So you have to pick and choose. You have to figure out who you're actually going to play. Because you can't play all the guys, you know, above 8K, obviously. And so we have to kind of sift through and figure out which lower priced guys we're actually going to roll with and which guys we're kind of kind of throwing the trash. So I'm going to do this DFS episode uh, lot differently than I typically do my other DFS episodes. And we're going to talk about which guys we're discarding. All right. The thing with this is the reason why people don't do it this way is because they can get so much hate thrown back at them because a certain player could get lucky on a deep pass, you know, have one catch for 80 yards, like a, I don't know, Chase Claypool when he first broke out or his first big time week, you know, you could end up saying, hey, don't play him this week because he'll never see any snaps. And all of a sudden you get Deontay Johnson that gets hurt and Claypool has a monster, monster week. And that might not have happened if Deontay Johnson was actually in that game. So there are certain players as to where situations can happen. And this could completely backfire on me and on your DFS lineup. So you guys have to realize that you guys have to understand that we're not talking about guys that have potential to actually go off. We're talking about guys that have potential to completely implode and destroy your DFS lineup. So 
I'm talking about guys and I'm gonna scratch off my, my list. Like I said, this is extremely, extremely risky, right? Because all it takes is that one lucky play, but I'm going to take a shot on this because I think that the top end is just so heavy and you can't say, hey, I don't wanna play DJ Moore this week because guess what? He's probably gonna see a lot of AJ Terrell. So we have to figure out who we're not gonna play. Like I mentioned earlier, this is gonna be a lot higher scoring than I think what we're going to, or a lot of people are expecting. Carolina doesn't score a ton of points, but Atlanta is allowing like what the fifth, sixth or seventh most so far to the opposition while also running the fifth most plays. So there's going to be a ton of opportunity here. Meanwhile, we have guys like Tack and Kenley potentially being out for the Atlanta Falcons because of his involvement right now in trade talks. We also have Razul Douglas who we brought up. There's multiple guys that are key pieces to each defense that could end up being out. So both the Atlanta's defense and the Carolina Panthers' defense could be a little bit more porous than what we're used to seeing. So when it comes to fading guys, right, I'm going to start out with some of the guys that I'm fading the hardest and then work my way down to guys that I might be playing in a few more lineups here and there. So let me start out with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is a complete, absolute fade for me. When we sit there and we look at Carolina's defense, both Chin and Corn Elder have been playing the slot, and they've been shutting tight ends down. The slot as well, but mainly tight ends. The most that they've allowed to a tight end when it comes to yardage is 50 yards. That's crazy. The last time they faced off up against Hayden Hurst, he went two for six for eight yards. Yeah, not good, Bob. Not good. Staying away. Staying away from Hayden Hurst could absolutely save your lineups. I know he's cheaper. I know he can make a lot of lineups work, but I'm not doing it. I'm not playing Hayden Hurst this week. Checking over to the other side, though. Oh, man, isn't Ian Thomas and Manhurts, aren't they so sexy to play this week? No. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't even want to kid. I don't want to joke. I don't want you guys to misconstrue this. Listen, like, when it comes to Ian Thomas and Manhurts, They've combined for 17 targets in seven games so far this season. Joe Brady just doesn't use the tight end. That's less than two and a half targets to split between the two of them. Yeah, I'm good on that. Now, I will might have a Thomas in like one lineup just because the Falcons are so bad up against the tight end position. I mean, Keanu Neal is allowing 90 completion percentage rate for over 14 yards per reception while in coverage. So there's a chance that Ian Thomas could have some crazy breakaway type, you know, run. So I might throw him in, in one lineup or something like that. But it, he's not going to be in, in more than one or two. Overall, he's a complete fade. And of course, man hurts his as well. Speaking of fades, of course, we're going to hop back over to the Falcons. And yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Russell Gage because he's banged up right now. Not only is he nursing an injury, though, he's also back to being the third, maybe fourth or fifth option in this offense. Right, Julio Jones is back and healthy, and honestly, I do actually like him more when both Ridley and Jones are on the field, because then he doesn't become the focal point of the offense, and the defense doesn't have to cover him. But yeah, he is Corn Elder once again, and Chin, who we just talked about, shutting down tight ends and the slot position overall. So yeah, he's a complete fade for me. Uh, last time they faced off, keep in mind Julio Jones was out in this game, but last time they faced off, he only had two catches for 16 yards. I could see the same sort of result, especially with him being hurt, even if he does end up playing. Now, Zacchaeus, if he ends up coming in and playing for him or whoever ends up being that guy, I still kind of foresee the same exact thing happening. Of course, if Zacchaeus does actually take that slot role, I might actually play him in a lineup or two just because of how cheap he is. But once again, still not going to be a major asset into my lineups. Once looking at like the Ian Thomas type 
owner percentage where I might have them in one or two just sprinkled in. Now, if we flip it to the other side, something that just doesn't make much sense to me is why Isaiah Oliver is actually in the game over Bleedy Ray Wilson. I think that's how you say it. Pretty sure that's how you say it. He's actually been the better corner overall in the slot so far this season. And although I'm getting multiple different reports and stats from different sites on his defensive coverage, he's better than Isaiah Oliver. I don't care which way I'm looking at it. Isaiah Oliver has been absolutely terrible over there in the slot. So I just want B-dubs to get more snaps, baby. I just want B-dubs to get in there. But that's not going to happen. We're going to see, of course, Rodney Anderson in a lot of different formations up against Isaiah Oliver since we get go time. But we have another receiver over that lines up a ton in the slot, and that's going to be Curtis Samuel. Now, Curtis Samuel's usage is kind of all over the place, right? He's getting anywhere from like 8 to 12 touches a game on average. And this past week, what do you see? Seven total touches on his 22 snaps. So, yeah, that's not, that's great when it comes to efficiency metrics and target volume when it comes to snaps, but that's not the snaps that we want to see out of Curtis Samuel. Now, the weird thing was, was the guy that got just as many snaps as Curtis Samuel ended up getting cut this week. So, that makes it a little bit of a strange situation. So, when it comes to Sherfield, by the way, I didn't mention his name. Sherfield, he got cut and picked up by Green Bay in the same game. So I don't understand what's really going on over there in Carolina when it comes to the third receiver. But Samuel, yeah, he's a dart throw type guy and he can make some lineups work. Plus, he has that rushing upside. But I just don't want to make him a focal point of my lineups, right? Like, I don't want him to be in, in 60 or 70% of my lineups just to make the roster pricing work. If I have something that's building and I have a different focal point that is my guy that I want to go with, and then all of a sudden Curtis Samuel's sitting there just waiting to get picked up as the last guy, yeah, I'll take a shot on Curtis Samuel. But once again, he's more of a dart throw for me than a main piece to my, to my lineups. Now, side note, I'm going to be pissed off with Cooper. Bear Cooper or Zilstra ends up getting a touchdown on this one and destroys everything because I'm not t- touching either one of those guys. Not in one lineup. Nothing. I'm not going to have any peace to do with these guys. So yeah, I'm staying away from the the uh, fourth and fifth string wide receivers over there. Now bouncing it over, bouncing it over back to the other side. I'm bouncing everywhere, bouncing off the walls again. Whoa! Oh god, I'm dumb. All right, no. So bouncing over the other side, we have of course the running back situation, and Brian Hill for me doesn't really offer enough upside in this one for me to be making him a play. Same thing with Ido Smith. They're very similar overall to how I feel about Curtis Samuel as to where if I'm building a lineup and they fit in great, but I'm not going to be playing them a lot. I'm not going to be trying to figure out ways to, you know, have them in my lineup and make other guys work. So yeah, it'll be something as to where I think that Todd Gurley is going to have heavy usage once again in this one. Although he did lose the team the game last week, which is incredible. I, I think that the team forgives him. I think that they give him a chance to make it up for him, you know, make up for himself. So the Panthers over there are allowing teams to run all over them, which is absolutely fine with them. They don't care. They just don't want them to be passing on them. They don't want to get beat in the pass. The Panthers have allowed over 100 total yards to the running back in five of seven matchups so far this year when it comes to total yards and 100 yards on the ground in four of the seven. That includes Gurley, who had 121 and a touchdown on the ground and four for 29 in the air in their last lineup. Gurley for me is a lock in most of my lineups. Meanwhile, I'm fading. I'm fading Ito Smith and Brian Hill very significantly. I'm not taking really shots with them anywhere. 
Mike Davis, on the other side, is in there too, but not as often as Gurley is. So he did work against them last time when they faced off. But the Falcons, albeit teams let them pass on them, like I pass on drunk girls while bartending, are actually good up against the run overall. I believe they're allowing less than four yards per carry. Now, McKinley being out could actually affect this, but I'm still not going to be having Mike Davis in like every single lineup. He's not going to be like a focal point, like a DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson or Julio Jones or Todd Gurley are going to be. But he's going to be in probably, I want to say, I don't know, close to 40% of my lineups. I'll have a good, solid share of him overall. Now, I ended up diving into something, and this is actually interesting. According to PFF, Dante Jackson over there, the cornerback for the Panthers, actually was not targeted at all, not even in a zip code, in the matchup last time. And this actually makes sense because he's by far their best corner. I mean, of course, you have Corn over there. I love saying that name, Corn Elderly, who is also very good in the slot. But Dante Jackson's their best corner, and he plays on the outside. Now, Ridley does most of his damage on the left. However, he does line up more on the right, especially when Jones ends up playing. So it makes sense that he would have a great week up against the Panthers back, what, two or three weeks ago. So I'm expecting... I'm expecting Julio Jones to be the play on this one because he actually slides over to the left-hand side when he plays a lot more often. And guess who he's going to get matched up against over there? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Eli Apple, baby. So excited. God, man. I'm so excited for this one. Eli Apple, who allowed three catches last week on the three targets for 34 yards against a beat-up Saints receiver corpse, was Absolutely amazing, and I am so excited for Julio Jones this week. I'm so excited. Now, I still think that you have to play Calvin Ridley, but he's going to be right there in the same boat that I had pretty much with Mike Davis, where I'm going to have him in like 30, 40% of lineups. Julio Jones, however, is going to be in almost everyone I can get him in. I think I'll probably have more shares than him of him than both Bridgewater and uh, Matt Ryan. So yeah, I'm, I'm loving Julio Jones. This upcoming week, like I said, up against Eli Apple, this is a smash spot. Plus, Trey Boston has been getting beat deep a lot this year. God, I absolutely love, love this matchup. If Calvin Ridley gets Dante Jackson and Dante Jackson shuts him down for the most part, this could absolutely be a massive, massive way to beat the tournaments. I expect Calvin Ridley's ownership to be through the roof. Like, I'm talking like 60, 70% ownership. He could be the most owned person on this slate. He did work up against him last time, but Julio Jones was out, right? And this is something as to where Deontay Jackson could actually shut him down. Matt Ryan could be looking the other way towards Julio Jones this entire game. I'm telling you guys, this is a, this is a play where you could just crush, crush tournaments with, where you actually go Julio Jones and don't, don't touch Calvin Ridley. Meanwhile, you have to play both Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I do like Moore better in this matchup up against the rookie, AJ Terrell. Uh, Moore better. I like Moore better. Now, I do like Moore better up against AJ Terrell. I do think that Robbie Anderson's going to get work. They both got in work the last time. But of course, you had the big play, which now Teddy Bridgewater is looking like a deep ball god as of late. I don't know what clicked for him, but he's finding, he's finding DJ Moore deep constantly, time and time and time again. And it could happen again this week. I'm playing both of them because I think that Robbie Anderson is going to see a ton of, of production and slot up against Isaiah Oliver. And of course, that defense and that secondary as a whole is not very good at all. 
So yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm going to be playing a ton of both these guys, but I like DJ Moore better. Now, Monday's matchup, like we talked about, had four guys that were 8,400 and above. This week, we said earlier, it's seven above 8,400 and eight above 82 or 82 and above. So this makes it tricky. I pretty much eliminated every sleeper option as well. I'm like, hey, don't play Hayden Hurst. Hey, don't play Brian Hill. Hey, don't play Curtis Samuel. So I pretty much eliminated every single option, which is kind of what I wanted to do. You know, I kind of wanted to go through and make sure that you guys weren't playing a lot of these options in, in hopes that you can find that tournament lineup because the options are actually right in front of you and most people aren't even seeing it. Most people aren't even realizing this. You can play any combination. You can play any combination of four guys that are above the 8,400 slot for the most part. Right? So there, there's certain limitations. Like, I don't think you play the top four, but you can play four of the guys above that 8,400 mark. All you have to do is pay down and go get the kickers. Yeah, I'm dead set serious. These two kickers are top five in the NFL in, in points per game. And that's with Joe Sly missing time because of COVID. Guys, like this is the smash play. Koo is sitting there kicking 11.5 fantasy points per game. And Joe Sly is over there kicking 9.7 fantasy points per game. Sly hasn't had a week less than seven points. Meanwhile, Koo does have one bad week, which was this past week up against Detroit. But I mean, nine points, 17 points, eight points, three points, 20 points. Hell, if you put one of these guys in the bonus, if you put Koo in the bonus, dude, you're talking about being able to play the top four guys, probably. I haven't actually done, gone and done that math yet, but it's a smash play for me. These kickers are the way to go, and I know that it's chalk. I get that. I know, I know, I know what chalk is. But I think that it's going to be a lot less than what people expect when it comes to playing the kickers, when you play both of them. Plus, you have how many different combinations of these top seven guys? I'm not exactly sure how to do that. What is it, seven to the third power? You could easily make 20 lineups, 20 different lineups, with all seven of these guys in there if you play both those kickers. That is my smash play. That is the play that I'm going to go with. Instead of going with, I don't know, let's just say Hayden Hurst. I'm looking at the, the sheet right now. Hayden Hurst over there is 6,400, so you're really not even saving that much. Meanwhile, he's scoring less than Koo and 0.7 more than Joey Sly, right? We sit there and let's just opt down to Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel is 5,400, so you're saving a little bit more there. But guess what? Joey Sly is putting up 9.7 points, and Koo's putting up 11.5. Meanwhile, Curtis Samuel is putting up 10.2. It is absolutely the play this week to go to kickers. And that's pretty much what I wanted this whole episode to break down to, is you're playing the two kickers tonight in most of the lineups where you're trying to save money and you're trying to go top heavy. Sure, you might have two or three other people inside of the tournament that have the same lineup as you, but so what? So what? You can split 50K with three other people and still make money. You can either do, when you have weeks like this, when you have chalk like this, there are, what, four or five different ways you can go, all right? You can go to chalk, 
eat the chalk and play the chalk, right? And just hope that you end up winning a significant amount of money and you have to split it with 20 people, which happens. Still, if you play a $9 lineup and you have to split 50K with 20 people, you're still making 2K on nine bucks. It's okay to do that sometimes, guys. It's all right. It doesn't have to be the 50K every single time you win money. The other way to do this is you go contrarian, right? And the way that you would go contrarian this week is by playing like a Brian Hill in the, in the captain spot. You know, playing a, a Hayden Hurst in the captain spot. And I don't think this is the week to do that. But you can do it. You can play it. You're probably going to end up wasting money. The other way to do it when you have chalk weeks is you play 50 different lineups with random no-name guys with the top heavy type guys like, you know, I'm saying to do with the kickers where you play, you know, four guys, the three guys in the top 8,400. But then you're going and you're chasing guys like Jaden Graham. You know, you're going and you're chasing guys like Ido Smith. But guess what? If you're playing $9 lineups, that's going to be what? 50 lineups, $4,500. That's what it's going to cost you to try and chase that million dollar lineup. This isn't the week for that. This isn't the week. The other thing, the other option you do in chalk is you just end up playing cash. You just play cash. And this is actually the perfect lineup that I gave you guys with the two kickers in order to play cash and win money. Because there's a chance that, that one of these guys ends up busting, like these Hayden Hurst guys, these Ian Thomas guys, there's a good chance they end up busting. Meanwhile, the kickers are pretty safe overall plays. Hell, I might go out there today and invest $200 just in cash lineups, because it just makes sense to me. Anyways, that's what I wanted to get to, guys. That's where this whole entire episode winds down to. I appreciate you guys for staying tuned in with me throughout my bashing of different players. But yeah, make sure you guys go check us out at joinourcircle underscore on Twitter. You guys can check out all of our content and listen to us on any platform you guys want or, you know, that we have access to on linktr.ee slash fantasy intervention. Once again, that's linktr.ee slash fantasy intervention. Make sure you guys check us out on there. Of course, we have a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, go join our YouTube page. Go subscribe to that real quick. It takes you two seconds. Go subscribe to YouTube. You just got to search our name. Once we get over 100 followers over there, then we can actually customize that page. I think we're getting close. And we just kind of launched the YouTube page too. So, yeah, we're having fun with it, guys. Fantasy Intervention is growing. We've got a great team over here. Big shout out to, of course, Corey, who's been taking care of a lot of the editing on the videos for our quick shots and for our nature talks. Big shout out to, of course, Juan and James and Corey for doing this fantasy six pack. Dave is crushing it with the quick shots as well. Juan, Dave, and I have a show on, of course, Thursday nights, and then our big show on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock with Mike, a.k.a. FF Daddy's Home. God, it's been fun. It's been absolutely a blast. Loving it. Loving watching this baby grow. Oh, and big shout-out to Taylor. He did his first quick shot. If you guys are afraid of Cam Newton, go check out the quick shot over there on YouTube. It's a great, great, great piece put together by Taylor. Oh, man, absolutely loved it. Make sure you guys go check it out. Anyways, thank you guys for joining in, and thank you all for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. We're out. Hey, my dope. My niggas is dope. Switch up a stove. Pick up a stove. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.